Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. What is your battle cry when things are coming against you? When it looks like all hell's coming against you, but you know God's for you. What should be your battle cry? We'll talk about it today from the Word of God. What do you say into Satan's face and what do you say into God's face when everything around you is falling apart? Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. You ever been in some of those situations where you don't know what to do, everything's pressing in around you and feels like the bottom's gonna drop out from under you or else the bottom dropped out from under you and then you realize, no, it really hasn't. I thought it had, now the bottom's dropping out from under me. We're gonna talk about some of those cases in the Word of God and it really comes back to what's your battle cry in those situations. Oftentimes it's, oh my God. Other times it's help. Other times it's Satan, just get out of here. But what are, we're gonna come back to what was it in the Word of God when different heroes came to a place where it looked like nothing was working out, everything was against him, far worse than they ever thought. What was their battle cry? Well, we're gonna learn about a battle cry today and what to yell out in the midst of circumstances when everything in the world is going against you. We're gonna to turn to Job chapter 19. We're gonna to start today with verse 23, read down through verse 27. And while you're finding that, let me welcome all the new people that are watching today. Great to have you. Where have you been? All right, we've been here all this time. So again, welcome to the broadcast. We are glad you're joining us today. And I'm Pastor Bob Yandian and uh, come to bring you the word of God today. I'm a Bible teacher, all right? I was a Bible teacher in a Bible college before I ever became a pastor. And for the 33 years I pastored, I just simply told my congregation, I'm gonna treat you like Bible school students. You are gonna walk out of here smarter than when you walked in. And uh, it worked well. I mean, we had a tremendous congregation, grew to large numbers of people just coming and week after week said the same thing. We've never had a church just opened up the word of God and taught it verse by verse, sometimes word by word. That's what we're doing here on the broadcast because you know why you are the student, I'm the teacher of the word of God today. And I learn right along with you. Every time I teach these things, I learn something brand new. And so for all of you that are partners, thank you for being partners. For those of you that are just dying to be a partner, you can't wait to be a partner. Well, then go to my website, bobyandian.com. And on there, you'll find a place where you can join me as a partner in this ministry. I can't wait for you to join. We got a great group of people that surround me that love this broadcast, love the word of God, and I love them too. So again, just join in with this great group of people and uh, go to bobyandian.com. And like I said, there's a place where you can become a partner with me. And for those of you just about now to do it, and you're thinking as soon as this broadcast is over, I'm going to do it. Thank you ahead of time. Job chapter 19, this is one of the worst times in Job's life. Although the whole book deals with this time period, it's only nine months this thing lasted. I mean, we often think it lasted for years in his life, but no, from the, from the beginning of the outpouring of Satan's anger and trying to overthrow Job and all the different things that's found in the first two chapters, this whole book lasts about nine months. At the end of it, God blessed him twice as much as he ever had in the beginning. And what he did was he just learned to endure and stand up during those time periods. He learned great patience. But we're gonna find out there was a time when everything, it seemed like there couldn't be anything else go wrong, and it did. And then he thinks, well, nothing else can go wrong. Then the worst came. And he never thought things could get worse. They did get worse. And so what are we about to look at? In Job 19, take a look at verse 23 through 27. And here it says this. Here Job says, Oh, that my words were written. What's he saying? He says, I suddenly have something to say. This is one of the worst times of his life. This chapter describes it. And all of a sudden, in the midst of these devastating things, he says, 
Oh, that my words were written. He's about to say something. He said, something just came to my mind and I'm about to shout it. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. He said, anybody got some paper and pen? Write this down. Then he went on to say in verse 24, no, no, that they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. He says, oh, that they would just take it and engrave it in a rock and then take molten lead and placed on the inside of it. That would be perfect for it to be that way. And then it would last for centuries. But he goes on to say, for I know that my redeemer lives and he will stand at last on the earth. After my skin is destroyed, I know this, that in my flesh, I will see God whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Did you know that Job was a contemporary of Abraham? Although he lived in the land of Uz, this is found in chapter one of this book. He lived in the land of Uz, which was over in the east, far from the area of Jerusalem and Israel. And yet Job, he was a contemporary of Abraham at the time. His book is probably the oldest book of the Bible, predating the writings of Moses. In fact, this stuff looks like that it was written by someone there writing this down as it was happening. And so during this time when he was writing all this, he, again, understand this, he predated the writings of Moses. Think about that. We'll talk about that in just a moment. He wanted his shout during his dilemma to be etched, read forever, to have them engraved on a rock than the letters filled in with molten lead. Yet he received something better than a rock, which may last for years, even though be lost. His faith-filled words were now inscribed in the eternal word of God. And every time a Bible is printed, There are Job's words in here where he shouted out, I know my Redeemer lives. Think about this. Again, a contemporary of Abraham, his book was the first written in the word of God. It wasn't until centuries later that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And there was a book that predated that. And this guy wasn't even from Israel. He lived over in a foreign country. And understand this, Job knew he had a Redeemer. In fact, in chapter nine, he referred to him and said, he's the mediator that stands between God and man. He said, the reason why I can't communicate with God is because he's God, I'm a human being. He has no sin, I have sin. He said, oh, if there was just a mediator, an umpire, the uh, King James calls it, I wish that there was an arbitrator that would stand between the two of us, a daysman that would put one hand on God and one hand on man and unite the two together. But he knew later on that was a redeemer. And he again knew that. He says, I know that my redeemer lives. That's present tense. But he also went on to say, a mediator between him and God, put one hand on God, on the other hand on him. That's in chapter nine. But in this chapter, he knew his redeemer was alive right now and would one day stand on the earth. How did he know he would see his redeemer with his own eyes? Job knew he would die one day and his flesh would decay, but then he also knew he would have a new body, a resurrection body that would stand on the earth before or in front of his redeemer. We know these things because they've been recorded in the word of God. We also know there has already been one resurrection body handed out to Jesus himself and ours will be the next. Yet he knew this. How did he know it without a Bible? How did he know it living outside of Israel, outside of Jerusalem, outside of even knowing who Abraham was? was. He had no idea who these guys were, but yet he understood it. How could it possibly be? Because Job was a prophet, just like Abraham and just like Moses and just like Isaiah and the other writers of the word of God. His books might have predated them, but it simply shows the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to reveal to this man, this Gentile man, 
and tell him about what was going to happen in the days to come, even at the end, and it hasn't even happened yet. Again, we have here, Job died centuries ago, and yet his prophecy is all the way toward the time, and again will be the time when the millennial reign of Jesus starts, and Jesus, our Redeemer, will be standing on the earth, and guess what? We'll get to go and meet Job at that time. One of my questions is, how did you know all this stuff? I mean, you didn't have a Bible to read. You had nothing like this, and he'll tell me exactly what I know is true. I knew it by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So it came back to this. I want you to understand this. Job didn't know what to do. At this time, here's what had happened already. His wife had died. He'd lost his possessions. His children had deserted him. His children died. His house burned down and his friends stood around. Even his wife told him to go ahead and and curse God and die. This is what she told him to do. And yet he did not do it. He kept himself. And although he wanted to, at times, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. There's times he blamed God, then later thought, I shouldn't have done that. But you know what? He made mistakes during that time like we make mistakes during those times. You've been in those times of great pressure. You know what it's like when your friends are talking about you and everything's gone wrong. As a pastor, I saw people at their best and I saw people at their worst. I saw times when people who were great members of the church went through a terrible, terrible time and were ready to turn on God, abandon him, but they stuck with him during those times and God pulled them through. There's amazing things we can learn during the times of distress and trial. And even though Satan is the author of distress and trial, and it's brought out in the book of Job, chapter one and chapter two explains what the rest of this book is gonna be about. During those times, again, we find out that during that time when everything was falling apart, yet Job would grab himself at the end and do what he said right here. And his battle cry was this, I know my redeemer lives. I know one day he will stand upon the earth. And I know one day that I'll be standing there with him in my resurrection body. I'll stand before him in his body and we will be on the earth together. You know what he was simply saying? He says, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to say, fall back on what you do know. In this particular case, again, don't throw away what you know because of what you don't know. And our great example here in these verses of scripture is Job. Again, in the worst time of his life, I don't think any of you have ever gone through the trials Job has ever gone through. In fact, it's a book that very few Christians even want to read because it's hard to understand unless you understand the first two chapters of where Satan says, if I go after him, he'll deny you, he'll curse you. And God says, you can come so far in his life, but you can't go any further than that. You can't kill him. And in the midst of all that, we find out the very end of it, that God blessed him twice as much as ever before. Why? He stood through the trial. Trials and troubles are not sent by God, but trials and troubles are our opportunity to stand up against the things of this world, the things of Satan, and to come out successful on the other side. And when we do, we'll be stronger than we went into it, more patient than when we went into it. And not only did all the possessions come back to Job twice as much. Job was twice as much a Christian, twice as much a believer, twice as much a strong believer in the Lord Jesus Christ than he had ever been. In the next verses, I want you to turn to, we're gonna talk about Paul. We're gonna take some circumstances from Paul's life of which he relates to us because in the problems that Paul had, we find ourselves. We may not be able to totally identify with what happened to Job because we've never been in that strong of a deal. But in the New Testament, Paul just really comes back to the daily trials we go through. And we're gonna find out from him also that the key word he's going to bring out is I know. 
I think the, the best thing that comes out of this whole thing is that we fall back on what we know when we don't know what to do. In the times where we don't know, fall back on what you do know. Don't throw away what you know because of what you don't know. And I can have countless Christians that I've seen that happen. They have been at our church for years and loved the Lord. And all of a sudden something happened which seemingly contradicted the Bible and they threw away everything and ran from it. I had a young girl in our church that was attending and her father went to Rama Bible Training Center and she was gonna go the next year. And so her, her father went to a small town outside of Tulsa and walked into a store, walked out on the sidewalk and there was a drug deal going on down the sidewalk, not that far from him. And one guy turned on the other, pulled out a gun and shot at him and missed the guy, but hit this man from our church right in the chest. And that bullet went in. And so he was in the hospital. I talked to his daughter and she said, dad's trusting God and I would talk to him he was just almost out of it. And he'd say he was trusting God. But you know what? He died. Within a week, he was dead. And I did the funeral for him. I, I wondered what happened. She wondered what happened. But while I was preaching that sermon in that, that meeting, the Lord spoke to me and said, the daughter's not going to go to Ramah. She's not going to go to the Bible school. She, she was planning on it, but now she's not. And I stopped in my sermon, looked at her and said, you're not planning to go to school next year, are you? And she just looked at me defiantly. And I said, let me tell you this. I don't know what happened to him, but I can tell you this. In heaven, you'll find it out. And when you stand before him and Jesus in heaven one day, and they tell you exactly what happened behind the scenes, you're going to go, oh my goodness, I ran from God for 50 years because of that. There's always things you don't know. In the midst of things you don't know, fall back on what you do know. And what she should have known was, I know my Redeemer lives. I know we'll stand one day on the earth, and I know beyond all things I am born again, and all things work together for good. We'll see you right after the break. Do you ever wonder why it is that so many people, even very good people, go through so much suffering, so many trials, and all those tribulations in their lives on this earth? Or maybe you've encountered people who lay the blame on God for all the suffering that occurs in the world. What answers do you have for them? Victory in Adversity is a powerful four-part series from Pastor Bob Yandian that will give you insight into the reasons that people suffer and show you how to gain complete victory over all the trials, tribulations, and adversity of life. You can walk through this life on the earth with complete victory as more than a conqueror. To order Victory in Adversity in a CD set or as MP3 downloads, visit our website at bobyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. 
You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. We live in a world that's cursed. The whole earth was cursed at the time when Adam fell, and so the curse entered into everything made out of the dust of the ground, which included trees, which included crops, which included uh, everything, all types of plants, animals, everything made out of the dust of the ground received a curse in it. And the part of us made of the dust of the ground is our flesh, our natural body. And we still carry that today. Even though you are born again and your spirit has been made brand new and Jesus Christ has come to live inside of you and your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, yet this body is still called an earthen vessel. We have this treasure, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God living in an earthen vessel. And so one day this earthen vessel will be made into a resurrection body. But the earth is cursed right now. And until the day that Jesus Christ comes back, then on that day, the earth will be released from its curse. And on that day, the whole earth will break forth into the same glorious liberty as the children of God who have just received their resurrection body. So we find that here in Romans chapter eight emphasizes that one of the, one of the running themes that runs through this is the earth is cursed. And even though we are the church and born again, we carry a curse within us and we're susceptible to the attacks of the earth and the attacks of Satan. But God has declared greater is he that that's in us than he that's in the world. Even though Satan is the owner of this world, even though right now he owns the lease on it, one day he's gonna have that taken away from him and Jesus Christ will come back. But until that day, he has given me victory through his word, <clears throat> through the power of the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus. What wonderful things he's given to us. And Paul brings out what should be our battle cry. We talk about Job and his battle cry in the Old Testament. What should be our battle cry spoken to us from a New Testament apostle, writer of the word of God, directly written to us? Well, in Romans chapter eight, it says in verse 28 through 30, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. I want you to notice the opening of verse 8 is we know. This is Paul's battle cry. What is it we're having a battle cry against? They're brought out in verse 35. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, lack of food, nakedness, lack of clothing, peril. That's just tremendous anxiety and fear over what's coming. And then sword is war. All the things he brings out here, he says, what do we shout in the face of all these things? And believe me, the day we're living in right now, we can see all these things coming. And you'd have to be pretty blind not to know this is the way the world is headed, and especially toward Christians. What should we be doing? We should be shouting in the face of it. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't tell you exactly. The Bible doesn't get down to a exact details of what's going to happen in the days to come. But I can tell you this, I know all things will work together for my good. I know I'm called according to his purpose. And I know he foreknew me and predestined me to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And on top of that, whoever he predestined, he also called and whom he called, he justified and whom he justified, he's also glorified. God has taken care of me all the way from the time when I got born again. And he had a plan for my life from that point on. 
and that plan carries me all the way through life and all the way into eternity, he also now sees me as glorified. Even though it hasn't happened yet, this verse declares it as past tense. It's a done deal with God. Bob's going to have a resurrection body. And it says right here also, if he can see me right now, and I don't have a resurrection body yet, I can guarantee you this body still has problems. Aches and pains and still uh, susceptible to the persecutions and trials of life. I have to depend on the inward man. I have to depend on the power of the word of God in the midst of all these things. But I can tell you this, I also know one thing that God has guaranteed me, I will have a resurrection body one day. God already sees me in heaven in a resurrection body. You know what that means? If that if God is seeing me right now about five million years from now in heaven around the throne in a glorified body, then apparently I'm going to make it through this problem. And I'm going to make it through the next problem and the next problem and the next problem. Because if God already sees that as a done deal, then if God be for me, how in the world can these problems be against me? I don't know exactly what's going on. I don't know who started all the gossip against me. I don't know who started this whole process. I don't know who tried to pull the rug out from under me. I don't know who's behind the lawsuits. I can name all the problems you're facing that Paul pointed out as tribulation and distress and famine and peril. All the things he's talking about here, we don't know the exact things behind it, but we know this, that in the midst of all that, it's going to work together for my good. So how do we handle them? Well, we do it the same way that back in the Old Testament, Job did it. He just suddenly stood there and shouted out at the problems of life, and he shouted out a battle cry. We do the same thing. We speak to them. What do we say to them? It's found in verse 31. What do we say to these things? If God be for me, you cannot be against me. So what do we say to the midst of tribulation? What do we do in the midst of war? What do we do with famine and all the things that could be headed toward our planet in the next numbers of years? What do we say against all those things? And what if the rapture of the church doesn't, doesn't come exactly when we think it's going to and we see the edges of these things and they're already starting and fear wants to come on us? What do we do? We shout to all of them, I know all things work together for good. I do love God. I'm called according to his purpose. And I want to know one thing, that if God be for me, who can be against me? We find Paul as a minister of the gospel in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and take a look with me at verse 12. Paul is in prison. It says, for this reason in verse 12, that is called as a preacher. That's found in the previous verse, verse 11. I also suffer these things. These things are prison. That was found back in verse eight. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know, here it is, for I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded he is able to keep what I have committed unto him against that day. You know what this verse is simply saying? Hold fast to the promises of the word of God. That's found in verse 13. The Holy Spirit who is in you will guard you, watch over you, and point out this to you, that again, when you don't know what to do, don't throw away what you know because of what you don't know. Fall back on what you know. If during the times of trouble, when you fall back on what you do know, God will answer what you don't know. So it simply comes back to this. He said, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Don't look at your trials and say, well, maybe I'm really not saved. Oh, if you do, you have something to fall back on. What is that? I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded he is able to keep what I have committed to him against that day. So what's he saying? It's up to me to believe in Jesus. It's up to him to keep me. I don't have to keep myself 
My circumstances do not dictate if I am born again or not. The word dictates to me I am born again. And by telling me that, I don't have to keep myself. I simply believed in him. He promised he would keep me. So what do we shout out in the times we even doubt whether or not we're born again? I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That is your battle cry. Take a look with me, Philippians chapter four. How about with the necessities of life? The necessities of life simply come back to food and some things like Paul was also pointing out. But in this one also, Paul is in prison. And he says in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, that's financial need. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am in it to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He simply points out in this verse of scripture here that contentment is not based on circumstances. Listen, contentment is not a feeling. It may produce a feeling, but contentment is not a feeling contentment is learned. He points that out in whatsoever state I am in it to be content I have learned. Paul simply falls back again on what he knows. Do we ever come to a time where we run into things that we always know? No. Do we ever run, to, even with as much as you may know, you might've been born again like I have for years and studied the word of God for years, but there's still times th things come along. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to think. I don't know where it started, but it still comes back to this. I fall back on what I do know, what I have learned. If I fall back on what I do know, God will answer what I don't know. So again, don't throw away what you know because of what you don't know. There's always going to be things you know and things that you don't know. Job didn't know everything to say when he faced the anger, opinions, and disgust from his friends and his family. Paul had no quick answers when faced with problems. The wrath of Satan behind the problems of life, you don't know what's going on. You don't know exactly who he's got working against you. David ran into this. When his son Absalom decided to overthrow David, David was totally taken by surprise. He didn't even know his son had been meeting people at the front gate for four years and trying to talk them into following him instead of his father. And for the four years he did this, it worked. And now from Dan to Beersheba, his, his, uh, David's counselors told us from Dan to Beersheba, they're all ready to follow your son. And we just found this out. We oftentimes find out things. And the first thing we think of is how could Bob, how could you have been so stupid that you didn't know these things were going on? The point of it is we don't always know what's going on. But the point of it is the Holy Spirit always does know what's going on. God knows what's going on. And while you may not know what to do, God has an answer for you. Simply turn to him. So in the midst of life's necessities, in the midst of needing money or food, don't throw away what you know because of don't you, what you don't know. David finally fell back on the promises of God. You know what? God delivered him in the midst of that takeover by his son. Fall back on what you know. God will answer what you don't know. With Job, what was his battle cry in the midst of a time of great distress. I know my Redeemer lives. What did Paul say? I know all things work together for my good. There's things I don't know, but I'm going to quote what I do know. I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. I know because I have been instructed. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There was a song written by David Ingalls that simply said this, at the enemy's lie, 
It is written, I cry, over and over again. Come to God and come against Satan, especially with what you do know. Quote to God what the word of God says. God loves to hear the word of God quoted from you. Satan can't stand it because in the midst of three temptations, Satan offered to Jesus Christ, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Come back against Satan with what you know. Quote what you know. Quote the promises you know and stand secure on them and guarantee this. Satan, I may not know everything that's going on, but I serve a God that does. And God's already made a way of escape for me. In the midst of this trial, I'm going to come out successful on the other side because the God that delivered Job and the God delivered Apostle Paul is going to deliver me. Thank God for the promises of God. Stand firm on what you know. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.